Hey, Big MX listeners. Welcome to show 700. And first of all, I've got to apologize because we haven't had a podcast come out for almost three weeks now. And that, frankly, is unacceptable. Yeah, work's gotten in the way. It's been pretty busy around here and uh, trying to get things done, working pretty much every day, uh, laying bricks and whatnot uh, in the hot sun. But uh, I've been able to get podcasts out in uh, in that sort of uh, scenario before. And uh, something just uh, sort of been getting in the way lately. Uh, not, not really a lack of motivation, just uh, a lack of execution on my part, and I apologize for that. I'm trying to get things out, trying to get interviews uh, locked in, and uh, more than a couple of uh, slipped through my fingers, and uh, I was hoping to have some super special guests on for uh, show 700, but uh, hopefully you enjoy these interviews with uh, or the the conversations more than they are interviews with uh, both uh, Chris Pomeroy of uh, MXP Magazine as well as uh, later on and this is uh, some pretty old audio like I said I apologize this 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 particular episode's been in the works for quite some time uh, we've got some audio from uh, from Dave Drake's that we recorded so uh, hopefully you guys enjoy that there's some uh, some pretty old analysis and introspection uh, that follows uh, some of the discussion that me and Dave had uh, about uh, sort of my journey here on the on the podcast um, so if you don't want to listen to that totally understand uh, that I believe it was recorded shortly after high point uh, so three nationals have come and gone uh, since that time but uh, regardless um, uh, really hope you guys are enjoying listening to these podcasts. Uh, as always, if you have any requests of who you'd like to hear on the podcast, please let me know. Uh, just t- hit me uh, in the direct messages on Instagram or drop me an email at bradgebhart88 at gmail.com, as you guys usually do, uh, who you'd like to hear from. So uh, I try to get these things out more regularly. And, uh, and also, I've gotten some requests to get my lovely girlfriend back on the podcast again soon. So uh, hopefully uh, she'll make some time for that as well. So uh, as always, thanks you guys for listening. Enjoy this podcast and uh, and continue to support the sponsors. Uh, Medterra CBD, they've been a huge help this year keeping these things going as well as uh, Sickwix Candles. So uh, check those guys out and uh, we'll be back with more. So here is my interview or my conversation with Chris Pomeroy of MXP Magazine. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Medterra CBD and Sickwix.com. If you have any need for uh, the best soy wax based candles in uh, on the online and every single one of these candles is motocross basically uh, oriented. They got the morning moto, smells like coffee. It's literally burning on my table right now. And uh, also if you have any aches and pains, you need some more mental clarity. You need to sleep better at night. You need to go to medterracbd.com right now and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO15 to receive 15% off your order. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. This is episode 700 of the BIGMX Radio podcast, and I'm extremely excited to welcome my very special guest. He's a repeat offender. He is a Canadian national, Canadian motocross hero. An absolute legend. His name is Chris Pomeroy. Palms, how's it going? I'm doing great. I'm uh, mentally, I'm good, and physically, I'm good because I've been uh, trying out that CBD cooling cream. So uh, yes, body's sir. feeling. Uh, haven't felt this good in a, a couple months. So yeah, everything's good. 
There you go. You got that testimonial right out of the gates. And uh, how do you feel about being on show number seven zero zero of the uh, 007 um, episode of uh, Big MX Radio? This one's a biggie. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Uh, congratulations on that. Seven hundred is uh, is quite the milestone. That's for sure. So I'm uh, I'm honored to be a part of it. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show uh, and, and giving us your time again. Of course, uh, you are the editor over at MXP Magazine, a magazine that uh, helped me become more enthralled with this, motor, this, uh, this sport than, uh, than ever necessary and had me paging through and repaging through and, uh, to be honest, looking at pictures more than reading things as a youngster, but then also keeping those magazines and then going back and backwards and uh, in time and, and reading those magazines. I absolutely love them, and I know you guys got some exciting things coming down the pipe with the magazine. In fact, a new issue coming out uh, in just a few days now. Yeah, we're going to have it. Um, we'll have it for... Uh, Sandali National um, next week. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's always summer's always a, a busy time for sure. Um, we have the you know we do both programs for the nationals east and west. So we just wrapped up the east one. That's going to be unveiled uh, Friday at the track at Gopher Dunes, and then um, yeah, the new mag comes out uh, be handing it out Friday at uh, Sandali. Well, there you go. Hopefully, I can get my hands on a copy of that, my friend. And uh, like with, through working with the magazines, you you must have come up, come across some amazing stories within the sport of motocross, both uh, north and south of the border. Of course, uh, Canadian motocross is a vibrant vibrant community that continues to give us entertainment year after year after year. You've certainly been part of it. You've been in the, the thick of things, and now you're in the center of covering it. Um, and now that's another reason why we're on this podcast talking about it, my friend. Uh, exciting th- four rounds of uh, of, of this, the series, or three rounds of the series, have come and gone. Uh, it feels like forever since the two of us met for the very first time underneath uh, a friendly awning of uh, the MX-101 team as we were both waiting for a hot cup of coffee. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the series is well underway. Uh, I believe five rounds remain in the series, and uh, yeah, th- uh, things are cooking. It does feel like forever. I made mention of that in my uh, Monday Monday column there on mxpmag.com. Um, yeah, it does feel like forever since we went racing, and um, you know it's definitely time to to get this thing back back going. I mean, not just uh, not just from a media or fan point of view, but uh, I'm sure the riders. Uh, although you know, a couple weeks off is always good um, to recoup and start the uh, second half of the series. Um, you know, once you get past. A couple weekends, I think you're uh, you're ready to get back at it, especially if uh, yeah. if you got the ball rolling. I think you just want to keep it rolling. But um, yeah, these guys are uh, you know from from the riders I've talked to and with my own uh, experience and stuff. It's you know it's this weekend's long overdue. So um, let's uh, you know drop the gate at Gopher and uh, you know see what happens at the uh, fourth round. For sure, like the the guy, the GDR guys are putting on clinics. You got Hayden Halstead uh, driving to Southwick and Redbud just to get some gate drops, uh, just to stay sharp, stay focused on motocross. Uh, not to say these guys uh, uh, put down their tools uh, for the whole three week break, but uh, you you want to stay sharp. You want to be able to have that pencil uh, nice and ready uh, for when it comes to to do some serious work. And uh, in both the, the 250 class and the 450 class, uh, we've ha- we've been entertained by uh, by 
uh, lead changes in the points. Uh, we've had multiple winners in all three classes. And, um, yeah, it's been really exciting. Unfortunately, uh, for my home national, drove two and a half hours out to Minnedosa, as everybody else did, including yourself. Uh, and uh, we were only uh, treated to two out of the four motos. Uh, that was unfortunate. Mother Nature opened things up, and uh, like, uh, like, fortunately for uh, for most riders, the results didn't vary too much as far as who who'd place where. But um, yeah, it's it's been pretty entertaining so far. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think most riders were uh, were happy to just get out of um, Mendoza, you know, in one piece, and then you know, not with too much too much damage done. Um, you know, I know we saw there after. You know, after they they officially canceled the second motos, there was a few guys that uh, wanted to go back out and and do it again. And um, you know, I think with some time that the track could have been could have been made you know to be you know passable and, and mm-hmm. pretty good. But um, you know, it was just uh, I mean, unless you were there, it's hard to it's hard to describe. But um, it was a it wasn't just the the rain or the you know the track conditions. I mean, it was it was darn right cold. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, I think five, six degrees. It couldn't have been much more than, no, than that. Up. But, uh, yeah, I was bundled up and I was cold. And, um, you know, I think I had, uh, when I left and started my way back to, to the hotel in Winnipeg there by the airport on, after the race, I think, I think I had the heat on till, uh, till I hit Brandon. So it was, uh, just trying to defrost, but, uh, yeah, that was just, that was a miserable day. And, um, you know, I think everyone was happy to to move on move on from that, and um, you know, looking ahead to this weekend, I don't think you could have more of a opposite round than um, than possible for for Gopher. I think it's going to be uh, looking at the weather; it's going to be Swelter. maybe not too muggy, but it's going to be it's definitely going to be hot, and um, you know, as always, the track's going to be rough. Absolutely, it will. Uh, Go for Dunes. I think we talked about this off air. One of the most, well, one of the most renowned tracks in Canada. Um, of course, uh, back in the day, way back in the day, Canadian fans remember Austin uh, Sand Track as being one of the uh, kind of like the cornerstones of uh, of what makes a track rough and uh, and impossible to uh, to pass. In fact, we we switched uh, swapped some Austin Sand Track stories when uh, the two of us met in, in Minnedosa. Um, but uh, Gopher Dunes is, is is its own animal. Uh, it's it gets rough. There's uh, guys who go extremely well there. Colton Fasciati is one of them. Um, and, uh, I'm really excited to see how things shake out. Uh, uh, guys who are fit will come to the, uh, the, to the top of the, the heap and, uh, guys who, who really have their lines down. I think that, uh, that's something that guys like Phil Nicoletti will sort of struggle with a little bit. And the fact that, uh, the intricacies of Gopher, uh, may come up, not as sort of to, to bite them, but just, uh, not have that, that as much experience as guys like, uh, your Cole Thompson's and, and Matt Gerke's, uh, Sean Moffenbyers and Cole, Cole, uh, Colton Fasciati's are concerned. So, uh, coming into this round, Obviously, it's going to be a hot one. Uh, who do you really expect to uh, to shine brightest under the hot sun uh, in uh, at Gopher Dunes? Four fifty class. Well, in the four fifty. Um, well, I mean, I think uh, I think you're going to see. Um, you know, you mentioned Nicoletti. Um, you know, I think he's he's been uh, probably out of you know most of those riders. I would think he's been counting the days down to uh to this weekend um you know more than anyone um 
you know, he was one of the ones that, that definitely wanted to go back out for those second second moto in uh, in Manitoba. Um, so he he kind of felt a little uh, shortchanged. Um, but I mean, you know, him him training down in South Carolina at Club MX. Um, I mean, we you know we've just been just in the last couple of weeks here in Ontario, we've been experiencing you know kind of normal temperatures. I mean, up until that, it was kind of a cool and wet wet spring. Right. Um, you know, but, you know, we think it's hot here, but, you know, it's nothing compared to, to South Carolina. I think it's been, you know, 90 degrees for, for two months down there. So, um, you know, the heat's not going to affect him. Um, that sand, the sand track at Club MX, from what I hear, is, uh, you know, a nasty piece of business. Um, you know, I think that just judging by riders who have come up here, have come to gopher for the first time in the past um you know the consensus always seems to be that you know they underestimated just how rough it gets um and i mean everyone from from davy Millsaps to brett metcalf to you know even john dowd when he first came up you know yeah. thought that they knew you know, all those guys thought they'd ridden rough stuff in the past and, and um, you know, they kind of had their eyes opened a little bit at Gopher. Just the way, I mean, Gopher's a, a one-off, just a one-off track, I think, with, with how it forms lines and, you know, the speed. It's it's so condensed. It's not really in a big open space. I mean, it's very, for a sand track, an outdoor sand track, it's, very tight and i think it's even gotten tighter over the last couple of years um so you're really not like building up speed and and you're not able to really get on top of of the bumps and stuff like that so you're always kind of just in them um you know never ending so yeah i mean i think uh you know i think nicoletti will be good and i think he's probably super motivated to uh to hit the east and, and get the ball rolling, um, you know Colton. Colton will be Colton. I mean, he, you know, for years we've watched him. There's no been no one better at managing a championship. Um, so I wouldn't expect to see him. I'd be actually really surprised to see him go out um, on Saturday and and really force the issue and um, you know put the hammer down. And try to run away with with a victory, um, you know. Because even when you're, you know, even someone as fit as he is, you leave yourself open a little bit to uh, to kind of empty in the tank a bit. And yeah. um, you know, these guys, like we just saw in the states with with back to back, you know, Jacksonville and then Southwick. Um, these guys got a these guys got to turn it around after Gopher and. Uh, you know, race a week later in Sandalee, and sometimes, you know, in the past, Sandalee's been even even warmer, you know, even hotter and and stuff. So um, I wouldn't, you know, I like I said, I'd be surprised to see Colton really go out and and try to uh, thrash these guys. I mean, I think you'll just see him do what he uh, do what he can to to maintain the the red plate and um, move on in one piece. Um, you know, Gorky, you know, I'm sure Matt Gorky's feeling pretty good after, uh, his win in Manitoba and, you know, he's probably fully healed, um, or at least getting there from his finger injury. 
Um, he's been unbelievable at Gopher. You know, see how he does on a back on a Cowie. Last time, the last time I think he rode, I may have to correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the last time he rode Gopher Dunes on a Cowie, he was like unbelievable. I was going to say, sure. but that is that not like 2011? Yeah, I think or 12. I think it was 12, but okay. um, the year he went on to win the championship. But he was That's uh, right. he was in another another level. Um, that day but uh yeah i mean those guys um you know alessi will probably be you know i'm sure alessi will hold shot at least one of the motos and yeah, at um, least two of the motos <laughs> you know lead for a bit and uh, i'm not sure if if he has the you know the strength or stuff endurance to to really hold on who knows um he's probably put more laps on that track in the last uh or this year than he ever has before, but um, yeah, I mean, I think you'll you'll see uh, those guys, and then um, you know, then there's always like you mentioned Cole Thompson, um, you know, a master of rough tracks and you know being smooth, and um, you know he's won some some motos at Gopher in the past, so um, you know coming out of the West, he's probably he's probably the biggest surprise. Um, with just how far behind he is in the points, um, so you know he's got to. Uh, he can't take. He can't afford to take any more. Give any more points away to uh, to the guys in front of him. So, you know, probably that group. I don't think you'll see anyone. You know, maybe m- moving up from outside the top five or six will be seen. But uh, I think the top guys will will still be the top guys. Definitely in the 450 class, it seems like uh, two have sort of separated themselves. Uh, Colton Fasciati, Phil, Phil Nicoletti, uh, one and two in points, separated by eight. Then you have the uh, from third through fifth, actually seventh, is uh, is only separated by six points, uh, 29 uh, points back and 35 points back, res- respectively. Uh, those guys are, are going to be like kind of stealing points from each other. It's going to depend on who gets the start. They're all fast. They can all run the pace, and they're all fit. Um, out of those uh, five guys, Fasciati, uh, Alessi, Gerke, Moffenbeier, and Dakota Alex, um, who do you like to sort of separate themselves to sort of start moving into that uh, that that consistent top three spot? Uh, we know Gerke's good on the East. Uh, a lot of these guys put put in some of their best motos on the East Coast. Um, but uh, who, who do you like to sort of establish themselves as uh, like a, the, at least the best of the rest? Well, I think you you know you mentioned Gorky. Um, <clears throat> I think you'll see Gorky, uh, you know, find some find some consistency. Definitely uh, in the east here. Um, you know, living living down in, in Panama City. Um, you know, it's obviously hot down there and rough. And you know, the tracks he rides are, are probably as gnarly as as uh, I saw one actually one video he posted on social media a few weeks ago of him out riding a sand track. And I mean, it was probably like the worst looking dustiest driest siltiest sand track i've ever seen so um you know there's not going to be any conditions that uh that he's going to see in the east here that uh will be a surprise to him so um plus you know he has that experience um of of knowing um kind of i wrote about this also today that uh you know coming to gopher i think it is 
in you know 99% of the cases i think it is important to come in with a little bit of uh you know kind of go for dunes experience i called it but um you know i think it is important guys who have been here before um have a little bit of a of an advantage um just in the fact that uh you know they kind of are aware of of how they feel and and you know when to push when not to push um you know not to give to give just enough that uh you know you you empty the tank necessarily in the day but you, that you don't uh do something that's going to affect you for the next uh the next few weeks um you know i told a story of uh you know after i think 2013 um which was Brett Metcalf's first year up here um I think that was, if, if my memory serves me, that was the hottest, nastiest. I don't know if the track was as bad as it's been sometimes, but it was certainly, I mean, it was going on like 40 degrees. So Ugh. killer, right? And, um, you, know, you know, that was Metcalf's first time at Gopher. And, um, you know, he had to, the second moto, he had to come from behind. Um, I think it was Kyle Keese that had, had the moto pretty much wrapped up and um Metcalf had charged up to second from from in the back and he had given up I mean he you know five minutes to go in the moto he'd said I can't catch Keese Keese was leading and then Keese made a little mistake I think it went off the track um and handed the and Metcalf took the win but um anyway Metcalf told me in the interview later on that summer that uh it took him two weeks to get over over gopher dunes that's how much he uh that's how much energy he used that day and um yeah so i mean you can you can do some some damage that that'll take uh you know some time to get over and stuff so you know having been there having the experience you know knowing that hey you know what you know i can push to get second but um you know i think maybe it's just better if i stay in third you know in the long run it's better so um you know, I think then you, the advantage goes to, you know, guys like Gorky, Fasciati, you know, Thompson, um, just the guys that have been there before, right? So, um, yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a one-off day, that's for sure. You hit the nail on my on the head, my friend. Now let's talk 250 class here. Uh, we've had changes in the points lead every single round. Of course, uh, Jess Pess rolling in with the red plate wasn't able to hold on to it doing, due to that arm injury. Uh, Josh Osby held it for one week. Then, uh, then Dylan, uh, Dylan Wright comes along and holds court, uh, rolling into round three in Minnedosa. He, uh, by all accounts, uh, he came across the finish line uh, before everybody else did uh, in Minnedosa. And maybe we can get into that, maybe we won't. But either way, uh, he was scored for sixth points, uh, sixth place points in uh, in Minnedosa. Now sits two points back of Marshall Welton, who uh, who now carries the points uh, points lead going into Gopher Dunes. This is a hotly contested series. There's a ton of talent in this class. Um, and a lot of inconsistency as well. You see uh, a lot of guys within that top six that uh, that have podium finishes, top five finishes, and some of them have uh, double-digit finishes in their uh, their moto scores so far this year. Uh, the only, only guys who don't have that double-digit finish are in your top three. They're not separated by a lot of points. 
Uh, you've got uh, Dylan Wright, who's uh, a veteran in, in his own right, and the fact that he's been around for quite some time and, and, and knows the ins and outs of this series. He's going into friendly territory at uh, Gopher Dunes. And, you, of course, you've got uh, Tyler Medaglia, who, um, if you go to every any one of these racetracks, he's probably had a good or a bad day at any, any one of them. So that's also tough to predict uh, with him being uh, an elder statesman in a class full of young guys who just like to pin it. And then uh, you got a, uh, you got the, the defending champ on, on a new bike for 20, uh, 2019. Jess Pettis probably uh, benefited from the month off more than anybody. He'll be champing at the bit to get back at it. Uh, I'm excited to see how this thing f- unfolds because, uh, like I said, there's a ton of talent in this class, and they all expect to be at the front of the pack. Yeah, I mean, de- there's definitely uh, there's definitely some intrigue um, in the 250 class. Um, you know, not that not that the 450 class is, is set in stone by any means, but uh, you know, the 250 class. Um, you know, I think it could go, you know, a number of different a different different ways with with different scenarios. I think you gotta believe as you look down. The lineup of uh, you know not just the top three or top five, but uh, maybe down as far as you know seventh or eighth or something like that. Um, other than other than Dylan Wright, I think um, you know I think every rider is going to be better. Hopefully, be better in the East. Um, you know, I mean, I think Dylan set the set the pace out west. It's unfortunate what happened in, in Manitoba. Um, but uh, overall, you know, he was the the fastest the fastest 250 rider, um, you know. But behind him, um, you know, I mean, you mentioned Marshall Welton has the you know the red plate, um, well deserved. He's been consistent. Um, you know, he hasn't really been the fastest rider on any given day. But uh, you know, you come into Gopher Sandalee. Um, you know, Deschambeau, there's three sand tracks. You know, he he grew up just up the road from Baja in Michigan. You know, sand rider, um, silky smooth style. I mean, I, I watched him a little bit in the West, and um, he's got one of those, you know, sneaky, sneaky, fast, smooth styles that, um, you know, doesn't look like he, he's putting a lot of effort into into his race but um you know you look at the lap times and you know he's he's right there with everyone so that's going to serve him well on a rough track like like gopher dunes um and you know he trains down at club mx2 with with phil and and the boys so he's going to be uh he's going to be fit and then ready to go and not uh you know he's not going to be bothered by by the conditions um you know got to think Reslin's going to be good you mentioned pettis um, you know, Pettis, I think we could maybe see the biggest improvement in, uh, in speed and, um, you know, just being comfortable as he's, you know, got to be all healed up from, from his early season injury. And, um, you know, he's the defending champ. So he, you know, you can never count him out. And also the fact that last year Gopher, um, he went, uh, he went one, one and, um, you know, obviously being at the race and, and sitting there watching both of his motos last year, um, he made that he made that one one look easy. I mean, it wasn't uh, you know good starts, you know very little stress. You know, I'm sure it was 
you know, maybe didn't feel that way to him inside his helmet, but, uh, you know, it was probably one of the slickest 1-1 days at, at Gopher Dunes that uh, that we've ever seen. So, you know, he you know he's confident coming into Saturday. Um, Tyler, you mentioned Tyler. Tyler won there last year on a 450. Um, you know, can he do? you got to like his experience and, uh, you know, his ability to to suffer through the pain of uh, riding in those conditions better than better than anyone else. Um, yeah, big time. You know, and then you got the uh, you got the kids. I mean, I I expected more out of uh, of more out of Tanner Ward and Marco Canella in the West. Um, you know, I know uh, Ward had some. He showed some signs of some speed and uh, good finishes. I know Canella was suffering from. Uh, um, some sickness before Calgary, and that kind of dragged on through the the next couple of weeks. So, um, you know, I think he's someone that you know, is someone that's got to get this, these next five races. I think are are pretty important for him because he's got to. He did well last year. You know, no stress, rookie year. Um, you know, he did good. Now it's time to, you know, these sophomore years are are always challenging because you, you all of a sudden have the the pressure of some expectation on your shoulders. So he's got to, uh, he has to be better and I expect him to be better. So, um, yeah, right there. I mean, you go down the lineup and you got, you know, a bunch of guys that are, that are probably going to be a lot better in the East than they were in the West. And then, um, you know, throw in a couple guys, you know, a couple riders that probably didn't even ride the East that are going to ride or sorry, didn't ride the West. They're going to ride the east. I know Joey Crown's going to be at Gopher. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, you know a number of different storylines, and that's uh, that's what always makes this class just so exciting. For sure, and like uh, you said, uh, Joey Crown doing uh, quite a few uh, laps up at the front of the pack uh, this last weekend uh, at Redbud, and uh, and then having some bike issues. Uh, hopefully that doesn't pop up for him again. If he's got that same speed, he will be uh, a force to be reckoned with. Um, one of the, like, the imports that we were seeing for his first full season as, uh, a Canadian national pro, Luke Breslin. He's, he, uh, is basically, he was, uh, crowned the, uh, number one guy at, uh, um, at, at Mendoza after, uh, Dylan Wright was, uh, handed down a, a five position penalty for, uh, cutting the track in the earliest stages of that moto. Um, but, uh, so I guess he's got a moto victory under his belt, um, but, uh, I myself, I'm still sort of waiting uh, for him to really show uh, show up and, and and put put the boots to these guys. Um, I know he's got a ton of speed. He's shown it in the past. He's he's ridden with some ex- extremely uh, competitive and and talented guys in his uh, in his amateur days and even earliest in his uh, American uh, pro career. Um, what kind of weekend does uh, does Luke need for sort of a get right weekend to uh, to put himself closer? into the title fight, currently 20 points down. Uh, doesn't sound like a lot, but there's only 10 motos to go in this series, it being a short one. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Reslin has to, to pick up right where he, he left off in Manitoba. And, um, you know, I, I don't think he has to duplicate um, Pettis' day from last year. I mean, it doesn't, it's not going to take a, a 1-1 to to necessarily get him back up in the points. I mean, obviously it would help, but, uh, you know, I think if he, if he goes out and, and, 
you know, has a has a three three two day or you know one three or something like that. Um, you know, I think that puts him um, right back right back in into the thick of things as they head to um, to his team's home track at Sandley. Um, you know, I he came up. You know, I think Reslin came up last year on a 450. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what he got. I should know this, but uh, you know, it was inside the top ten. I want to say seventh or eighth. Um, he was right there. Obviously, knows how to ride sand. Um, you know, he's got good equipment. Um, those those MX 101 Yamahas are um, are awesome machines. Um, probably, you know, probably the fastest. 250s on the track um so yeah he's got uh he's got everything that he needs um as well as some you know some skills so uh he just needs to he just needs to go out and and execute you know like like everybody else right so um you know when the gate drops and you know they race down that long uh start straight at gopher um you know there's only a, a couple guys that can obviously be inside the top three so you know, he needs to be, he needs to be one of them because I think in the 250 class especially, um, you know, unless there's, you know, big mistakes made or or mechanical problems, um, you know, the guys that get the starts, um, even on a track like Gopher, um, it's a it's a huge advantage, a definite advantage. So he needs to uh, to get up there right off the bat and battle with uh, with those guys. Absolutely, and start to separate himself uh, and establish himself as a serious uh, contender for this championship, which a lot of people were calling for uh, for him to be able to do this particular year, running the 94 on the bike, obviously ran, ran very few races, if only, I think, one last year to earn that uh, that number 94 on his machine. Uh, but his teammate uh, went down and uh, and raced some uh, some American Nationals, something you don't see it too much of. Uh, I'm sure you maybe did a little bit even in your career uh, as, as a professional in Canadian motocross. Hayden Halstead driving his own uh, rig, everything, doing it all himself, and I believe even scoring points in a moto uh, at Southwick. What do you make of... Uh, of, of the young man who uh, has been, he's been riddled with injury a little bit here and there. He's got uh, uh, as much spirit as he has hair on his head and uh, just a, just a salty kind of kid who just loves to race his motorcycle, went ahead and uh, raced Southwick in the heat, also Red Bud in the heat. He'll, he'll be ready uh, come gate drops in uh, at get, Gopher Dunes. Uh, like honestly, like, I don't know what you think, but uh, my hat's off to Hayden Halstead for, uh, for going down there and doing some, doing some serious work yeah most definitely i mean i'm I'm sure he wasn't the only rider that uh from this series that that thought about maybe heading down and doing you know one of them uh southwick or redbud or you know even doing both but um you know it's one thing to to think about it and it's another thing to uh to take on the the opportunity and go down and and kind of uh you know i, I mean i'll I don't want to say put yourself out there because um, I'm not sure for for Hayden that it was a, a case of you know going to put yourself out there the same as as it would if uh, you know maybe a, a Fossiati or, or something went down there. But um, right. you know I I don't think there's too much too much pressure on him when he went down. Maybe just the pressure that uh, 
that he put on him that he puts on himself each weekend so um you know it was, it was kind of a, a win-win and um you know kind of let's i want to keep racing um you know it's it's a great way to uh to build uh to build some memories um you know i'm not sure if he's if he's done it before so um yeah you know why not you know you got time you got the weekend off you got a bike um you know you got some some money that you want to spend because it's not uh <laughs> it's not cheap to go down and run those races um so yeah go down take a roll the dice and uh you know especially on a track like uh on like southwick where you can take advantage of of maybe some some guys that uh you know maybe get a little tired or aren't quite that efficient in the sand um you know halstead's always been a great sand rider um so yeah go down as i said roll the dice see what happens and um you know it certainly worked out for him scoring those scoring those points um i know he had a little little difficult time last weekend at uh at redbud but um you know his speed was his speed was good and uh you know i mean no doubt that it helped his racecraft um coming into into gopher i mean i think uh if he can get some some decent starts i think you'll you'll probably see the the best hayden halstead that uh that we've ever seen at gopher simply because he'll just be you know he'll come in here uh just full of confidence you know and um good for him um you know it's uh it's never a bad deal when you uh when you roll the dice like that and go and um you know challenge yourself is that something that uh that you did yourself as well going uh like i i think that was a little bit more prevalent in, in your era uh, of guys of your stature to go down and kind of test the medal in in uh, american nationals or maybe i'm wrong about that no i i wrote uh i wrote a few mostly um most of it was uh I rode Gainesville National a bunch of times, um, simply because it was, uh, you know, we were always down in Florida during that time, and, and that national used to take place back in, in March. You know, usually the first weekend in March, it kind of interrupted the, the Supercross series back then. Um, right. You know, so we were always down training in, o- in Ocala, and it was like, hey, you know, there's a race this weekend in Gainesville, let's go... Uh, let's go ride it um so yeah most of my u.s national experience was in gainesville um and uh yeah i mean it was you know it was tough especially back then because i mean you're you know we were down i was always down in florida with you know i would nine times out of ten i had left you know here in february with uh you know brand new bikes right and um (laughs) you know no no work done to them, no nothing, simply went over and, you know, built them out of a crate and left the next day for for Florida. So, um, you know, you're always riding those races down there in the early part of the year with, uh, you know, with, with equipment that was not as good as the stuff you were going to have when you got back home here. So um, it would have been, certainly would have been nice to, to have tried it with, uh, you know, kind of with your full full race setup. But, um, yeah, I mean, even, you know, even though it was like that, it was still, um, you know, still a great experience and, um, you know, even one that, 
you know, today I look back on and, and remember, you know, those hot motos at, at Gatorback, um, you know, battling with with Treadwell and those guys for, you know, just trying to, to score some points because it, uh, it wasn't easy then. Absolutely not. And yeah, like hats off to you for going out and doing that. Something that uh, I don't think uh, enough uh, Canadian riders do do. Of course, like you said, you're kind of putting yourself out there and it's not your main focus, but uh, racing's racing. I-, I love to see it. Like, uh, um, in addition to the, uh, the Canadian or that, that national, the Gainesville national, I know a lot of guys, including uh, Marco Dubes of the world, maybe even yourself, uh, the, the Daytona Supercross, which was uh, more motocross maybe back in, in your uh, heyday than, than it was Supercross, but a gnarly track in its own right. Yeah, Daytona was, was uh, you know, much like, you know, how people describe uh, Gopher Dunes this weekend. I mean, it was it's it's such a one-off, one-off track. Um, you know, even... I haven't I haven't been to that race for for a number of years, so I haven't seen it in person. But um, you know, in talking to to a number of guys, you know, my age that that go every year and and you know, but they've you know, we raced it a bunch of times back in the '90s, and you know, everyone kind of seems to agree that uh, the track doesn't seem to have as much bite as it uh, as it used to. Um, oh, I mean, sure. it's still it's still gnarly, and um, you know, it, it shows. You see that, but um, you know, I remember the first time the first time I raced it. I believe I want to say it was 1994, I think. And uh, you know, I remember going out in practice, and it was you know just basically dead smooth. Um, you know, mostly grass, with the odd you know the jumps were just walls of of clay, um, and some of the jumps were just dug out of the sand. Um, and then, you know, the next practice was got a little rougher, you know, the afternoon qualifiers were, were rough. And then I remember going out in the heat race and, uh, I was just like, oh my God, this place is, this is gnarly. Cause it was just bomb holes everywhere and deep, <laughs> deep ruts. And, um, yeah, definitely, definitely one of the hardest tracks, hardest conditions that, uh, that I ever rode in. And, um, you know, I was glad it was. Plus, you know, with the vibe of being at Daytona International Speedway, um, that was uh, that was special too. So, um, yeah, definitely a one-off one-off event that, or one-off track that was pretty hard to to describe unless you've uh, you've actually put laps on it. Well, there you go. And thank you for uh, pulling out those stories, my friend. And, uh, and those are the types of things that sometimes uh, the listeners are missing on the podcast. Some of those stories from way back when. I'm glad that you're able to pull them out. Uh, another thing that a lot of these listeners have been missing is uh, the, the action at these Canadian races on race day. I know we talked about it off air uh, about uh, just the, the, the lack of turnout at the, the most recent national uh, in Manitoba. Um, I, I know just from knowing the community and not as many faces that I recognize as usual. I obviously I recognize a lot of people going there, but, uh, I, I noticed a lot of people weren't there. Um, like, uh, maybe not dissecting why those people aren't there, but maybe, uh, for those listening, you can let them know what the heck they're missing because, uh, there's been some epic motocross races. Of course, uh, Minidosa is a bit of an outlier. The fact that it was a mutter and, uh, there wasn't too many, uh, names and numbers to recognize out there on the track, 
given the fact that uh, Matt Gerke was still jumping all of the obstacles uh, up until the uh, checkered flag uh, of, of his uh, the 450 moto. Like, there's been some serious racing going on, and uh, I think that the Canadian fans are missing things a little bit. Well, I, I mean, I agree. I would totally agree with that. Um, you know, I think outdoor outdoor motocross is uh, is something that um, you know that needs to be seen or is best seen in person. Um, you know, I think you you have to have you know these days you have to have a good TV package. Um, you know, live TV like they have now, they've done a great job in getting this series you know, live on, um, on Fox sports, which is, uh, you know, monumental. I mean, it's amazing, but, um, you know, I think outdoor motocross, um, loses just, you know, a little bit, um, when you're sitting watching it, uh, you know, in your living room, um, you know, I know supercross arena cross, you know, it's found a way to, to kind of still, uh, capture the excitement of, of what's going on in the stadium um, and relaying that to the fans that are that are sitting at home watching it. Um, you know, we see that every every winter. You know, as we're sitting there watching Supercross every Saturday night, whether it's you know whether you make it to a couple races or whether you just watch the series from home, um, it's been a huge success. Um, but yeah, nothing. You know, outdoor motocross is just. I don't know, there's something about it, the, you know, the sound, obviously, you know, the smell, everything like that, um, you know, just the energy that you get um, from the riders, from the track, from the racing, um, everything, it's just, it's something that um, is best best served from standing on the side of the track, and, um, you know, we've all been there, we've all, you know, been there as kids. Um, you know, stay on the sidelines at a national or a, or a big outdoor race, you know, watching watching these guys pound their way around the track. And, um, you know, I think, too, because it's it's outdoor motocross and it's what every kid grows up doing, um, you know, it's easily relatable for a, you know, a nine-year-old or whatever to sit and watch, um, you know, like this weekend, for instance, um, you know, he can sit and watch, you know, Colton Fasciati or any number of riders pound their way around the track on Saturday. Um, and then, you know, the next day, they're, uh, they could be out there too racing on amateur day. Um, you know, that's, you know, in Supercross, it's a little harder to do. Um, I know it's getting easier each year with, with amateur days and stuff like that, so it's possible. But, um, yeah, out, outdoor motocross is just something that, um, you know, like I said, it has to be these days. It has to be on TV. They do a great job of presenting it, presenting the sport on TV. But um, nothing, you know, it's like a, a NASCAR race or a Formula One. I mean, just nothing's as good as being there, in my my opinion. Oh, I couldn't agree more. It, it, being at one of those races, it just gets you excited to ride a motorcycle. That's what got me into this in the first place. I went to uh, Grunthal 1999. I believe you were uh, uh, still putting knobbies in the dirt. In fact, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, if I'm going to go back to one of the stories that you shared on the podcast uh, uh, 
a number of weeks ago is uh, you actually uh, had a, quite the digger uh, at, at that track, whether it would be a 2000 or maybe 2001, either one. I was at both of those, and uh, I just absolutely loved it. Two, like, uh, basically all two strokes, except for, of course, Doug Dubach uh, just laying the boots to absolutely everybody. Uh, most guys riding 125s and 250s, my my particular favorite was that with the fact that you had matching 125 250s uh at, under every single pit stall that was pretty cool to me and uh but also just going to these races it's just infectious it makes you want to go home shine up your bike and, and head out to the track uh, get get some buddies together go to your local dealer and grab that brand new back tire so you can get a little uh, the same kind of bite that those guys do on uh on the the national race day it's it's an exciting time to be a fan of uh, Canadian motocross, we've got a ton of great talent, uh, both 250s and 450s, as well as the 125 race, which I expect uh, I expect you to race one of those by the end of the summer. Um, but uh, no, it, this has been absolutely awesome, and uh, we're only uh, uh, three-eighths of the way through it, and uh, it's uh, round four is coming up. I, I'm excited, and uh, I, I like, Go for Dunes is going to be basically like, like they say the Supercross doesn't start till Daytona, Outdoor motocross in Canada doesn't start till go for dunes. Yeah, I mean it definitely. Uh, you know, the second half of the series takes on. Uh, you know, definitely takes on a life of its own. Um, and uh, you know, at, at tracks like when you have really challenging conditions, like we're you know no doubt going to see on uh, on Saturday at Gopher. Um, you know, it's just I enjoy sitting back and just watching how you know each rider um attacks you know attacks the track and you know maybe attacks not the right word but uh you know each each rider has their their different style and and how they you know still try to move forward yet still try to save some energy um you know it becomes a real kind of uh chess match um you know, I'll never forget uh, a couple years ago, and um, watching um, Brett Metcalf battle um, Matt Gorky, and you know the two—they're two styles. You know, two great sand riders, um, but they couldn't. Their styles couldn't be different, more different if they had. You know, if they tried. I mean, Gorky with the long legs, you know, lanky love to just you know pick the front wheel up and just carry it over each each bump and each whoop and you know high gear and make it look so effortless um you know and behind them um was metcalf you know a little shorter in stature um different approach um you know he liked to kind of treat the whoops as as almost you know little doubles or little triples and he would hop around the track, you know, trying to get over as many and time each stuff. And, um, you know, each, you know, they were feet apart on the track, but, um, you know, miles apart in, in how they approached it. So it was, uh, it was awesome just to sit there and, you know, watch these two go at it. And I'm sure it's going to be, uh, much of the same on Saturday. Fair enough. Well, I'm, I'm excited about it, and we're also excited about the latest issue of MXP coming out this Friday, being passed around at that particular track, the Gopher Dunes Raceway, the one that is so uh, synonymous with Canadian motocross, as well as the uh, the East Coast program, which you guys will be releasing on the very same day, which makes a very busy week 
for you, and uh, I guess this is about the time that I'll let you get back to that busy week as it's uh, 11 p.m. on the uh, Eastern time zone, uh, and then probably time for yourself to either uh, hunker down and continue editing and, and leafing through things, or, or at least maybe try and get some sleep uh, for yourself. Uh, but before that, uh, I got five quick questions for you. Maybe, maybe I'll get a long answer. My, maybe I won't. You don't. You can expand on it as much as you want. Are you ready for them? <laughs> yeah, go. I will just say though that the new issue comes out Sandali, so okay, um, not this not this weekend. It'll be Friday at Sandali. Um, new issue will drop. Um, I'm not going to tell you who's on the cover right now, but uh, I can say that uh, we mentioned his name during this podcast so um but anyway me. Go sh- shoot with your questions and it's not me um <laughs> what was your best uh the best 125 you ever raced uh the best bike best 125 you ever had like if you could go back and you're like this was the best 125 i had in during my racing career um i would say my 1996 cr 125 Hands down. Not even close. Those are uh, uh, known to be very good. And you were a Bondi engine guy, if I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I was a Bondi engine guy, and halfway through um, in 96, um, he did my motor, and we put a different ignition on um, that he had sitting there for his go-kart effort that he was doing and um yeah my 96 96 125 was uh was good and same with 97 too because it was the same bike because remember 97 they went to aluminum frame on the 250 but the 125 was was still basically the uh the exact same as 96 so um yeah they didn't go aluminum frame yet no so 96 97 Fair enough. Um, your the your first professional motocross race, whether it be like a local pro race or uh, your actual first pro national, walk me through that day. Uh, well, it was August of '89, and I just moved. I had won the 125 intermediate Canadian championship out in um, Alberta in uh, Fort Saskatchewan. Love it. I and was not yet weeks- one years old. A few weeks later, I, I turned pro, and um, my first race was um, Labor Day weekend of '89 um, at RJ Motorsports in Barrie. That was my first pro race. And, and how did you do? Do you remember? Um, I. Th- it was actually it was a three. I raced three days that weekend: Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Saturday, Sunday was at RJ's, and then Monday was a like a mini stayed, um, which was like this kind of outdoor supercross thing at Sunset Speedway, just south of Barrie. Um, but anyway, I got, uh, for my recollection, I got, got a couple seconds, couple thirds at RJ's over the weekend. And then I actually won the 125 class on the Monday at, uh, at Sunset Speedway. So that was my first, first pro race on Saturday, and then my first pro win on the Monday. Fair enough. So uh, prior to that, you're full-blown amateur. You're racing through the, the, the junior classes, and I most likely had a, a, a mini cycle at some point before that. 
uh, eyes full of wonder, probably uh, looking up to uh, to guys like Ross Rollerball Peterson. But you're an East Coast guy, so maybe you're uh, you're a Carl Ballancourt guy. Who was it that you like the most coveted uh, autograph of uh, for for a young Chris uh, Pomeroy growing up? Who did you like watching the most growing up? Uh, well, I would say um, I was really close to to a guy by the name of uh, an Ontario pro named Kevin Moore. Um, okay. We actually did a lot of a lot of riding together back in the kind of the mid '80s. Um, but I would say uh, my as far as an autograph goes was probably Doug Hoover because Hoover was an Ontario guy, and back in those days. You know, he rarely came out to local Ontario races because um, he was, you know, factory Yamaha rider. And I think back then they were making pretty good salary. So he had no no reason to, to come out and, and race with us at just a normal local race. But once in a while he would uh, he would show up. And um, he was, if there was, you know, that saying that, uh, you know, if there was ever a god riding a motorcycle in my eyes it was uh it was probably hoover in the in those days it was uh when he showed up at a at a, even a local race um you know his his family would come his entourage and you know his brother drove a porsche and it was just this spectacle that you know for a young kid it was just like man this and then he went out on the track and he was you know had great style and you know had a little bit of charisma and stuff like that so um you know, I actually talked to him not that long ago and told him this exact story. <laughs> he just laughed because he's like, "What are you talking about? I was just a, you know, just a goofy guy back then." But uh, anyway, that's how it was portrayed, and that sometimes that's all that matters. Fair enough. And, uh, and and so maybe this is something that you you came across as you became one of those top flight pros. Um, but uh, at what point did you realize that guys like uh, like uh, um, uh, Hoover, who you looked up so much, are in fact just real people, and uh, they've got uh, different weirdnesses about them. We're all just normal guys. Um, like, at what point did you stop being so starstruck uh, with these top uh, top riders and, and realize that uh, not only were you one of them, but uh, but also that uh, they were just ordinary people? That's a that's a good question. I don't know if it was you know something that happened um, you know overnight or in the span of you know, weeks or, or months or anything. I think it was just something that, you know, took place over, uh, you know, maybe even over over a season. Um, I remember when I, you know, when I turned pro there uh, near the end of 89, um, I raced the, the Montreal Supercross um, in September of 89, and I actually ended up getting sixth in the main event, which was, you know, I don't want to say above expectation, um, because at the time I was just super, I don't know, I was just super confident in, in my riding and my abilities. Um, you know, so I think, you know, at that point, um, you know, when I turned pro, um, I didn't, uh, I think I kind of came to conclusion pretty quick that, uh, that even though I was just 16 at the time, I was, um, you know, pretty confident 16 year old. And, uh, you know, I felt like I was, I'd fit that I was fitting in pretty good. So, um, yeah, I think kind of right, right from the get go, I had a, a lot of respect for, 
for the guys that had, you know, the established guys. But, um, you know, I don't really remember thinking that they were, um, you know, necessarily better than me, maybe just more experienced and that, uh, you know, with my talents and, and stuff like that, that I could, uh, you know, kind of do what, what they did one day. Fair enough. So with, with that, my last question for you is, uh, when was the last time you got some throttle therapy and when are you going out again? <laughs> um, I actually rode, uh, what's today, Tuesday, um, or sorry, what is today, Monday. So I rode yesterday. Um, I spent, uh, actually a friend of mine lent me his, uh, his, pretty slick uh bobcat um so i spent all weekend just fixing up our, our track and then uh, we went and rode last night so um yeah not too thankfully not too long ago and um we plan on riding uh tomorrow um but yeah oh, no that's, big deal uh, that's it just trying to keep uh you know i'd like to the plan is to to race walton in in august so um you know that's that's coming up i mean we're almost a month uh a month away so uh got to keep rolling because competition in the plus 40 classes is, is getting i'm getting older and it seems like the fast guys are getting younger so i gotta be <laughs> uh somewhat ready to go that that's my life my friend i'm 30 this year and i've been racing 15 year olds for the last 15 years um <laughs> it is every year I, i've been in the b class uh in manitoba uh, seemingly since the beginning of time, 2004 to be exact. And, uh, every single year, uh, I get older and the kids at the front stay the same age. Uh, so, uh, that's, that's been a bit of a struggle for me, but uh, I totally get you, my friend. And, um, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing how things go for you at, uh, in Walton in about a month's time, but let's make sure it's not a month's time before we talk again. Um, recapping, uh, these races is always fun, uh, staying on top of things and, uh, and finding all things. What's exciting over at MXP is also on, on top of my list of, uh, of things to get done on a weekly basis. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast to, uh, to talk a little canadian motor with me yeah man no thanks for uh thanks for having me especially uh on uh show 700 um, 700 that's pretty that's pretty cool so um yeah uh make sure you you check mxpmag.com and um you know instagram we're at mxpmag and uh, my own thing is uh, at palms mx so yeah uh, check everything out and um yeah look forward to the next time we chat Absolutely, Palms. I really appreciate the time. Do not hang up just yet. For podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Hey, Big MX listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode. Check out these commercials, support our sponsors. We'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, Big MX listeners. Let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sick Wicks is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you got to check them out. They're motocross, dedicated, and uh, they, they, they burn nice and clean. they got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It, it pops and crackles just like a real fire. And uh, it's going to make your garage smell better. It's going to make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're going to love these candles, and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now. 
Enjoy them, and you're going to love it. Absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality, purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1, and the full array of market-leading products. Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. Maxima racing oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming, and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateer's racing program throughout the day. I'm talking pre-race strategy, filming practice sessions, talking about the racetrack, meeting the riders, getting cool swag, getting to hang out with guys like Dave Drakes, getting to hang out with guys like me at the track. It's an awesome program, and the money goes right back to the privateers. You're actually supporting their racing program, and you get a really cool experience. Check it out, Google. The Collective Experience... First thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff. You guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can like Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, the Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out. The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there, great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience, a proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio podcast. What's up, Big MX Radio listeners? I can't thank you enough for listening to this episode of the Big MX Radio podcast. It means so much to me that you guys would take time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Hopefully you're entertained. Hopefully you guys find some information that you didn't already get from another podcast. And uh, if you guys have any requests whatsoever on content you'd like to see on the Big MX Radio podcast, please send me either a direct message on Instagram. If you're not already following, I hope you do. It's bradgebhart88 on Instagram. And you can also find me via email, bradgebhart88 at gmail.com. Hit me up in the DMs. And uh, thank you again for listening to these uh, really important commercials. Uh, We do our best to uh, plug our sponsors and hope that you guys 
support our sponsors like Medterra CBD, as well as uh, Maxima Racing Oils and uh, Fly Racing is coming on soon. And uh, really looking forward to that. So thanks again for listening to the Big MX Radio podcast. Garrett, Dale, all, all my good friends that are listening. I really appreciate you guys uh, making the time to listen to the podcast. And uh, thanks again. And uh, let's get back to the show. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Medterra CBD. MedterraCBD.com is where you can go and get all of your Medterra CBD products. For inflammation, anxiety, or just to get a better sleep with melatonin, you can go to MedterraCBD.com and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO15 to save 15% off every single time that you shop. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. This is show number 700 of the Big MX Radio podcast, and thank you so much for listening. This is a huge milestone for us. Uh, we're well on our way to uh, a thousand shows and beyond. Um, with us on the line, we've got a guest who uh, he's been with us for a lot of these podcasts. I'd have to go back and check, but I guarantee he's been with us for uh, damn near a hundred of these things. So one seventh of the Big MX Radio uh, experience has been with uh, none other than uh, the Dreadlock Wonder himself. He's a great friend of mine and uh, likely going to be in my wedding party one day. Uh, Dave Drakes, how's it going, brother? <laughs> What's going on, man? Loving the intro. Um, pumped to get talking about some motos and congratulations on show 700, man. It's that's humongous. I don't think people realize just how much, you know, how much dedication and time and work goes into something like that. But especially in, you know, in this industry, man, when things are so up and down. So congrats, man. And, you know, and shout out to all the loyal listeners that have gotten you this far and all the sponsors and stuff, man. That's, that's pretty remarkable, man. Yeah. Um, just to talk about sort of the journey a little bit. Uh, and I appreciate you uh, congratulating me on the 700, man. Um, it's, uh, it's, for me, it's all just a bit about, sticking to it, keeping my feet moving with this. Uh, the podcast is something that uh, I basically was born out of um, wanting to becoming more involved with podcasts and, and obviously loving podcasts. I still, uh, of, of course, uh, listen to Steve Mathis and the, and the Pulpamec show just sort of to keep up on some of the interviews and stuff like that. I, I of course, read also the magazines and, and so I can get all the info that I can through uh, the sport of motocross, not just uh, what I find uh, from my interviews and talking to people through my show. Um, and actually what, what ended up happening, oddly enough, is uh, I like back in the day I used to submit questions for uh, whether it be the tits versus tits con- uh, contest with uh, um, with with Pulp Max or something like that, and uh, I actually sort of asked to be a little bit more involved. So it's not totally indifferent to how uh, Dark Side is now uh, a little bit more involved with the the wrap up show. Uh, that sort of wasn't what, what I was driving at. I was hoping to do more like sort of a rolling co host for Steve, but. Um, in uh, for not in not so many words, basically told me to beat it, uh, being from Canada, and uh, wasn't super interested in having me on the show uh, much at all, and, and sort of told me to start start my own thing. And uh, within a couple of weeks uh, of that, I uh, I took out uh, started uh, took out a business registration for Big MX Radio. Of course, my initials are B I G, uh, and MX is the game. So Big MX sounded uh, like something that would make sense to people and would make sense to me and sort of has a bit of a personal touch with my initials in there. And, uh, and also, um, sort of behind that, I also just wanted to make the pie a little bit bigger. I wanted to add to the media sphere so more people could do interviews and, and the more stories could come out. 
uh, and make the, the, the interest in motocross just that much bigger with Big MX Radio. And uh, it's, been a, it's been an awesome journey, man. Uh, basically, starting out in uh, a good friend of mine's living room, doing a basically a, a career-long piece on a, just a local... Uh, just I say he's just a, a former racer who uh, he, he ended up having a really bad injury and he can walk now, but he's mostly made out of titanium. That was one of my original co-hosts, which was uh, Chris Mellon. He was with me for about a year, um, and then uh, we parted ways just uh, based on uh, how, how often uh, I wanted to do podcasts versus how often he wanted to do podcasts and stuff like that. But uh, it's been a ton of fun. Uh, Seven hundred shows, like. Um, it just seems like uh, it's gone by like like a snap of your fingers, but then also I look back at all the different setups I've had over the years, all the different interviews I've done over the years, the big ones, the small ones, the ones I was nervous for, the ones that I didn't even have time to ner- be nervous for because I was uh, probably running late. Like I got I got tons of stories of literally like running into my house still covered in brick dust to call up Davey Coombs from the <laughs> Memex Sports uh, with literally no prep for my interview and still was able to, to get that off. Uh, that's going back a couple of years now already. But, uh, no, it's been a ton of fun, man. And uh, I can't thank you enough for, for being, being a part of it uh, up, up to this point and beyond. And um, I, I think you've been a, a great addition to the show, something regular that people can get used to, a character that people can kind of get endeared to, and uh, I think that it also uh, helps people want to uh, register for the collective experience, so that's been cool too. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, just just like I said, just joining on here and talking to somebody who is just as equally passionate or more passionate than myself about this great sport of ours, it, it's really nice, man, it's refreshing, and um, it's really cool to banter back and forth each weekend with somebody from the industry who's so knowledgeable about the races. Um, kind of, you know, save, uh, save the people around me from, uh, hearing about me blab about it. So I kind of get out of my system, but, um, yeah, man, I'm, I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of what you're doing and, and how far you've come. And, um, it, it's pretty remarkable to see. And, um, you know, a lot, a lot of times we see people want to start like ventures like this or get involved with, oh, I had this cool idea for a podcast or this cool idea for a new product, uh, but they kind of talk themselves out of it. How did you kind of overcome that negative talking in the back of your mind like ah oh, you shouldn't do a podcast you'll never be as big as Paul or you'll never get to show 700 you'll never be able to get these sponsors that you've accrued over the years um, how did you get past that stage because for so many people it's crippling and it really holds them back what was your strategy for getting around that uh, I think it's the same strategy that's uh, helped me in, in all uh, sort of areas of life uh, it's, it's this, this blind confidence that I legitimately thought I'd be any good <laughs> Um, no, I just, I, I thought that, uh, I like, as I've already, like I had already done, like I I obviously start, I'm 30 right now. I started the podcast when I was 25. Um, I had been doing local broadcasting, doing all of the play by play for the local races since I was 18. So I had seven years of microphone experience, uh, prior to, uh, to doing, um, to doing the podcast. And I was already at that point probably listening to more sports radio than anything. Like I've always listened to music, but I've always been a sports radio guy. I've always loved the interview styles that different guys have. And, uh, I, I sort of just sort of modeled my, my style over, um, over how those guys uh, do theirs. And like the, some of the sort of the question styles and how like some of the rules of what they, what they do. And, uh, honestly, it's one of those things where, um, 
I, I liked doing the podcast. I loved the process, and I sort of thought about it in a way that um, I, I wanted to do something special, and I wanted to be able to talk to some of my my heroes of the sport, and I've, do, I've certainly done that over the years. Um, just the the number of like current pros that I've interviewed, whether it be in person at a Supercross race or uh, over the phone in one of these, um, like it just like starting out. It was one of those things where, for me, I, I sort of approached it the same way that I approached uh, my apprenticeship for bricklaying. And that kind of sounds a bit funny to most people, but uh, in bricklaying or in any trade, um, you start at the bottom level. They put a shovel in your hand, and you, you shovel mortar, and you carry bricks, and you, uh, you stack them up, and you build scaffold. Uh, you do all the grunt work. You do the stuff nobody wants to do. So that's where I started. Uh, the first few podcasts I did were with uh, with local guys. Uh, obviously, uh, one of them was a bit more not- notable in the fact that I had Josh Penner on. He was a multi-time Manitoba champion, but he also competed in uh, X Games at uh, Best Whip uh, for motocross, as well as, I believe he did slope style, or not slope style, I guess it's uh, like freestyle snowmobile um, in uh, in the X Games this past year, and, and he's, he's gone a couple of times. So uh, I just, I, I <clears throat> cut my teeth and, and got my experience interviewing people on guys that, honestly, if I did a bad job interviewing them, it wasn't going to be that big a deal because they were uh, somewhat like smaller guests. And, and it, honestly, I don't think I got a ton of listens on the first one anyway. Actually, going back now, there's there's quite a few people that have gone back and listened to it um, with Chris Mellon. But I, I, I just sort of, I took baby steps. And I, I didn't feel like I deserved to uh, uh, interview Jeremy McGrath, and I still haven't, uh, technically. Well, like, I, I did host a radio show with him on XM Radio, which was kind of cool, but that maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't feel like I, ha- I deserved to interview Ryan Dungey or Ryan Villapoto or any of those guys before I didn't log some serious time interviewing a bunch of, sort of say, but a bunch of nobodies. Um, because it's just it, like, that's just how it's always worked for in my head is that you don't get to do the, the, the exciting stuff right off the hop. And I think that's what holds back a lot of podcasts and a lot of people who start this stuff is that a lot of guys want to start a park podcast tomorrow. Uh, and they want their first show to have, uh, Eli Tomac, um, Adam C. And Cerullo, and, uh, and, and, and David Bailey on it. And that's not how it works. Like you're, you're not going to get to call those guys up, uh, until you, you put in the work and, and put in some mileage. And, um, that's how I've always approached it. So yeah, like I, my first probably 20 podcasts, like it didn't really get to, I don't think I interviewed anybody that scored points until probably three or four months into it. And then, uh, I had the, the pleasure of having, uh, Adam, Adam Nap on the show. That was a big one for me at the time, especially cause that was right in the, uh, the subway rap, just as his, his, some of his more popular songs had just started coming out and he was actually working towards making a lot of mains and stuff. He was like, kind of like the, the height of seven deuce deuce. Um, which was really exciting, and uh, actually my first big interview, one that I was sort of nervous for, I did a ton of uh, uh, research for it, was Michael Blos, uh, the, the brother of uh, Chris Blos, who had a, a podium actually in, I believe, the 2003, uh, I think it was Dallas 03, um, alongside uh, James Stewart, so uh, of course he had some head injuries and, and couldn't continue with his career, uh, and actually if you listen to the podcast, uh like no, completely uh, kind of 
I guess uh, you'd like I, I was uh, naive at the time. Uh, you don't really realize how uh, sort of out to lunch or maybe sort of uh, how much those uh, head injuries might have been uh, uh, that Michael might have been dealing with uh, till still to this day. But yeah, he was he's maybe a little bit out of it for that podcast. Uh, if anyone wants to go back and look to that, maybe I'll put the link in the description for this thing. But um, yeah, like it's been a long road, man. Like I think of all the different places that I've recorded from, the different setups I've had. Uh, it's uh, it's been pretty wild, and it's also taken me some cool places, including uh, down to California, two different times where uh, because of this podcast, I was able to make the connections necessary to to stay in California for basically free. Uh, for six and eight weeks at a time, go to more Supercross races in two years than I'd ever been to in my entire life, meet guys like you, uh, interview Roger DeCoster. Uh, like I said earlier, the first time I went down there, I ended up co-hosting the Action Sports Show on XM Radio for three weeks straight because they liked me so much and I'd work for free. Uh, actually, you know what? They paid me. Those guys paid me. That was insane. Um, like I, I got paid okay. to... to, to to uh, host a show, one show was with Car- with uh, was, was uh, with uh, Cameron Steele and Malcolm McCassie. The other one was with uh, Jeremy McGrath and uh, and Rick Johnson, and the other one was with uh, w- was with Ryan Hughes. Like, and I'm just this kid from Canada sitting at the Toyota Escondido uh, dealership, getting to talk to those guys and. Like giving my view on the sport of Supercross and them nodding their heads like this guy knows what he's talking about. That in of itself might be my my uh, the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been like I, I'm rambling here. Uh, basically, the first 14 minutes of the podcast is straight up talking about my about my podcast. But uh, yeah, show 700, man. Uh, it's been a journey. That's incredible, man. Well, like I said, hats off to you, man. It's. Uh... Here's to 700 more, 7,000 more, man. We think it's a, it's a killer podcast and it's super, super fun to be a part of. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, um, it, it's, uh, like, uh, being there and, um, like being, being a part of the motocross industry, uh, getting acknowledgement from some of the people who I've looked up to for so long, uh, has been really cool, and uh, we're gonna keep going at it. We're gonna keep doing podcasts. We're gonna uh, we're gonna evolve this thing and, and make it bigger, and, and do more giveaways, and have more sponsors, and more of this, more of that. Um, and, and maybe we eventually, maybe sometime we can do a live show. Like uh, I'd have to uh, invest in a whole lot more equipment than I currently have for this thing. But uh, maybe that's the way this goes at some point as well. Uh, I do like doing the uh, the pre recorded stuff just because I like to uh, uh, do some editing and post production and stuff like that. But either way, uh, that may be something we we explore in the future. But uh, like I said, I'm glad to have you along for the ride, man. You're entertaining. Uh, at times, you're a bit of a punching bag for me because I just get I, I, I get on something and I just uh, I give you the raspberries. I think that's um, that, that that comes from a, a long uh, career of, of of amateur sport. But uh, you you take it with a grain of salt and uh, you just roll your eyes and continue on uh, uh, entertaining. So it, it's good. <laughs> oh, for sure, man, for sure. So I mean, I got one more question for you. So go for it. Show seven hundred. I'm sure you were, uh, you're just as, as uh, not shocked, but I mean, I'm sure it's a little, you know, once you kind of think about it, but wow, that's really something, you know, an accomplishment. 
what where do you where do you want to see this this podcast go? You know, a lot of people say they want to have something, and when they have it, they kind of stay stagnant. And I don't see that being your personality. I know you're always looking to improve and and maximize and take it as far as you can go, and 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 really be a um, really really own what you're what you're what you're doing. Really take it as far as you can. Well, where would you like to see the podcast, the Mix Radio, go in the in the near future, or even farther out? What's your what's your end goal? Uh, the end goal is uh, to to become uh, the probably the, the, one of the most known podcasts. And I think we were sort of already there. People do know about the podcast. People message me all the time. That uh, I get emails and tweets and. Uh, direct messages daily about people like loving the show and, and, and making requests for the show. Um, I just I want to build on that. I want to be uh, the next podcast that um, people need to listen to. Like they're they're waiting for the next one to to get down uh, to get uploaded so that they can download and, and listen to it and just be like counting down the seconds till the next one comes out. Much like I am with some of my favorite podcasts. So. Uh, that's basically where I'd like to be with it, is, is to become a podcast that people uh, are searching for. Uh, when, like, say if I if I started a, uh, a more regular, uh, like, publicating or publication with these things where I put them out, like, say, Monday and Thursday, um, like, I, I would love for it to, to get to the point where if by, like, Monday at noon, I'm, like, my inbox is just full of people like, where's my podcast? Um, that, that would be really cool. Uh, so I, I think that's sort of where I'd like to see it. I'd like to eventually start doing some more live shows. Um, and, uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, just getting a little bit more regular with it would be, uh, um, a, a tick in the right direction. But, uh, for the, for the most part, I love the, the way the podcast is growing. I love the way it's, uh, cont- continuing to evolve and it tells stories and, uh, yeah, like, um, if anything, maybe just a little bit more organization on my side of things would help. You and me both, man. Yeah. That's, 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 uh, that's pretty killer. So, scale of 1 to 10, uh, how much has running an industry-level podcast fueled your love for the sport? Fueled the, my love for the sport? Uh, honestly, like, like tenfold. Uh, the, closer, and the, the thing about motocross is that... Um, you love it. You abs- like you you empty your pocketbook for it. You you spend your your day de- your uh, weekly checks on it so that you can ride on the weekends and you don't even bat an eye uh, because you're uh, you're doing something that you absolutely love. Um, but yeah, no, I, I uh, the thing about uh, motocross to me and getting closer to it is that and like I wasn't really scared of this because um, I, I didn't think it was to be something that I would deal with. Uh, that like you sort of like look behind the curtain and you don't like what you see. Um, and, and let me, don't get me wrong. Not everything in, in motocross is, is sunshine and rainbows, but for the most part, I would say that, uh, like it, it's been, uh, it's been an amazing eye opening experience and, uh, seeing these guys and meeting some of my heroes who turn out to be just as cool, if not cooler than I hope they would be, uh, has really fueled my, my love for the sport and getting to know more of the technical side that uh, people didn't, get, that most people don't get to know, uh, has been huge for me as well. So uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love the sport. I I get a little bit uh, bummed when I see a lot of people who get into the sport and they sort of become jaded by it. Like they they get frustrated with the way things are and how they never change or this that and the other thing. And that sort of they become like almost like a 
rather than a promoter of the sport, they become a, uh, someone who kind of um, almost like the Eeyore of the sport, where they're like, oh, there's no, nothing you can really do. It's motocross, blah, blah, blah. And like, it, it is frustrating. I think that comes from years of, of trying to make a difference uh, in a sport where things get very difficult like that. But uh, yeah, like, uh, like for the most part, um, it's just uh, like getting close to the sport has, has only been a, a positive thing for me, whether that be uh, some of the relationships I've built or uh, getting to know the things that uh, uh, that other people don't get to know, or at least getting to know them early. Like um, having seen uh, like some may- maybe some pictures of, of current riders that are riding uh, certain color bikes, seeing some pictures of them riding different color bikes, uh, or at least all black ones. Um, or uh, or, or yeah, getting stories about um, like Ricky Carmichael riding a uh a yz250 at the super at the uh at the rm uh the the suzuki uh suzuki supercross track uh to compare back to back uh against what he was going to be racing against uh with the pro with the uh in 2005 against the uh the rest of the uh, the Yamaha 252 strokes like that those are cool stories that I've got to sort of be a part of or, or you get to kind of get clued in on um, by different people uh, some of the best information that I've ever gotten and unfortunately after uh, uh, I, I uh, stopped the record button with the, a bunch of these people that I've had on like uh, I think I did a podcast one time and maybe I should re-release it because it's literally been like five years. I had Chad Watts on the phone for like an hour and 25 minutes and he was Ricky Carmichael's mechanic for literally his entire career up until uh, his perfect season on the 450 and I guess Mike Gossler worked for him for uh, the last three years uh, on Suzuki's. Um, But uh, like the amount of information, I think I talked, the podcast is an hour and 20 minutes long. I think I talked to Chad Watts for about three hours of just stories oh, wow. and things that came out and all like oh you, like just the, like the the stories about practice bikes and the the the, the pit at Ricky Cartwright's place that was dug by a backhoe that when they switched from Honda or Cowies to Honda stuff that like literally rather than keeping a lot of the the old factory stuff. Uh, it, it literally just got destroyed and there's a pit in, at Ricky Carmichael's house where it's just, they, they just stuffed all this Kawasaki stuff and just covered her over and like, it's, it's like, I guarantee it's just rusting in the ground or eroding or whatever it does. Um, but yeah, this is stuff that like the unobtainium, you'll never see the light of day, uh, stuff like that. Those are some of the cool stories that I've got to uh, get and, and talking to, uh, um, different riders and stuff like that. It's really, really cool to get the behind the scenes, and it doesn't uh, doesn't make me jaded whatsoever. I love it. That's killer. It's yeah. awesome to hear, man. So but yeah, man. Like uh, this, this podcast is it's slowly it's been a slow build, and uh, what's funny is uh, I think maybe I was better at selling it when it was brand new than when it is la- like beginning. Like I, I had some uh, some sponsors at the beginning of the podcast that. Maybe I probably didn't even like had no business having like I think we I think W Wheels sent me a set of wheels the first year I had a podcast uh, just because I, I just totally believed in it um, and, and since then haven't been able to uh, to score uh, another set of wheels since oddly enough but uh, maybe you need to talk, call up John Anderson again uh, it's time John um, but yeah guys like uh, like I think the first podcast I did. Uh, if you can go back and listen to it, it's hilarious. I didn't have ads, so I literally went to YouTube 
and I YouTube converted a bunch of old motocross ads um, into audio, and I played them. Like there's there's a Alpine Star boot uh, commercial from the seventies that uh, Roger DeCoster voices in the, in that first podcast, and uh, yeah, just some of the totally like the like I'm sure if, if people saw some of the setups that I've had over the years, like just like really archaic recording equipment or just the way I have things set up. Like uh, I, I was telling you off the air, my first podcast, the over the phone podcast that I did um, were, I was sitting on the edge of my bed at in, in the room of the house that I was renting. Uh, I was renting a room in a house, not even renting the whole house. Uh, I would put my laptop on an, an ironing board cause I didn't have a de- I didn't have a desk or anything. I put it on the ironing board and I'd sit there and I would interview, I think I interviewed Colton Fasciati from that setup. Uh, so just stuff like that. Like I, like I, I kind of, I started from super humble beginnings. So, uh, I just appreciate what I got now and, uh, we keep at it. Awesome, man. That's a really good story. It's, it's, it's good to hear that you've been in it for so long and still being so positive about it. And I'm an amp fan. I, I want to, like I keep saying, I want to see you do more and more and keep being a part of this and, uh, see what else, uh, this, this podcast can shake out. Yeah, no, it's going to continue building. You're going to be a part of it, man. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, we're, it's, we've got some exciting. Th- I got some exciting ideas. You and I need to sit down and really start to brainstorm what we can do uh, 2020 and going forward. Uh, but for now, why don't we talk about uh, the first four rounds of, uh, of Lucas Oil Pro Motocross uh, AMA Nationals, the last one uh, having happened at High Point. Uh, no surprise in the 250 class as far as your overall winner, and he's currently got a full moto uh, worth of points lead. Uh, in fact, he's got a full Supercross moto of a points lead. That's a bit of a shot at that stupid uh, Supercross point system, uh, the 26 points rather than 25. Um, yeah, 26 point lead for Adam Cincerillo. Kids in the kids in the driver's seat. He really is, man. You and I talked about it a little bit in the live show, and. The guy's got <laughs> all the ingredients right now that, that it takes to uh, bless you, <laughs> to, Thank you. Uh, to go on and, and, and dominate to, to dominate a championship like he's been doing, man. I mean, he's got he's got the tenacity, he's got the the talent, the great foundation underneath him. He seems like his his uh, training program is really really um, has taken a, a leap forward uh, from what it's been in past years, and he's got confidence and consistency, man. Uh, some of the things that is really hard to come by, especially in the 250 class. Um, and he, he looks really, really good. Um, and he's, you gotta remember, he's getting pressured from guys that are, that have won supercross races, that were title contenders, that are extremely talented. And he's not faltering, man. He's not making these little mistakes. He's not washing the front, making any bobbles, you know, knock on wood. Um, he's, he's riding like, like a, like a seasoned vet, man. Like he's riding like a 450 rider, you know, that's just been at this for a long time and it's not letting, uh, the, the hype or the pressure or the other riders get under his skin. And, um, he, he's have, he's has a commanding lead. I don't think it's been a while since we've seen someone, um, you know, have, in the 250 class have this big of a, of a points lead this early in the season. Um, and I think it's just going to continue to keep growing. And uh, I'll be very very shocked if Adam is not your 2019 outdoor 250 champion. Oh yeah, I think he wraps it up uh, a couple races early. To be completely honest, based on how things are going, and we talked on the live show. Um, yeah, the, the rookie mistakes are gone. Uh, even though Adam's been a pro for hell damn near uh, five years now, uh, 
different renditions of his career, I guess, with rookie coming in as a rookie, um, with uh, be, being violently ill, and then uh, shoulder injuries and knee injuries, and uh, now we just have uh, Adam going fast, and it, it's what we've sort of been waiting on, but it's here. Um, he's got the consistency, he's got the confidence, like you said. He's just like he's just riding. Um, it's a very carefree almost. Like obviously he's still as aggressive as he always is. He's got his textbook style of being uh, just all kind of over the place um, style wise. Like he's, I don't think he's going to be uh, uh, giving Kevin Windham a run for his money on the style game anytime soon. Um, but uh, no, Adam is uh, is just going out there. Uh, it doesn't matter who's in front of him. He doesn't freak out. He just sort of puts in his motos. And, uh, and like I said on the live show, he can now afford to uh, to take a second or a third here and there because with uh, with a full moto lead over second place, uh, he's not worried when uh, when Justin Cooper is 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 th- is a, a position or three points ahead of him at the end of a moto. Yeah, have your have your three points. Uh, I'll I'll be here to get it uh, from you the next the next moto because the rest of the guys have been a whole lot more inconsistent than Dil- uh, than uh, Adam is. Same thing with Dylan Ferrandez, Chase Sexton, Colt Nichols. And lo- actually, those guys have been stealing a lot of points from each other while Adam uh, uh, takes off with uh, with overall victories. Um, so with that uh, and the fact that we've got WW Ranch coming up, a track that I think that Adam will excel at, uh, Southwick, another track that I think falls right into uh, things, that, uh, think, things that Adam should be good at, uh, softer soil definitely seems to be uh, something that plays into uh, to Adam's uh, sort of uh, forte, if you will. He's 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 a good. Uh, he, he grew up in in Florida, riding a lot of sand, riding a lot of heat. Uh, where we're getting into the dog days of summer coming up here with some serious heat at WW. Uh, Southwick will probably get hot. Um, but yeah, he's done it and he's done it in all conditions. He did it in the mud moto. He's done it in, uh, in at altitude. He's done it at, uh, the, basically the, uh, the weirdest soil in the world, which is at, uh, Fox Raceway. And then, uh, you go east in the ruts and, uh, and all that fun stuff. Um, at high point, he's getting the job done. And, uh, like I said, uh, the races ahead are probably more in his wheelhouse than the four that are behind him. So, uh, like, this is about to get a whole lot worse for the rest of the team, the rest of the riders before it gets better. Of course, it's motocross. Crazy things happen. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, there could be a press release saying that Adam's uh, uh, out for the rest of the season, much like Cole Seeley. But uh, I don't see, I don't foresee that happening. Um, I think he's going to move forward and uh, continue to give these guys fits because. Um, no, no one's really had much for him. Like he's dropped a couple of motos, uh, but uh, those same riders have had absolutely terrible days, uh, like around those motos. Like, uh, yeah, Hunter Lawrence had him has a moto win. He's seventy points down. Uh, Cooper we- or uh, Justin Cooper has three moto victories. He's got a like uh, Adam's got a full moto on him right now. So uh, it's it's really looking strong for for Adam right now and. Uh, um, with the rest of the guys sort of just interchanging spots, that just that just puts him that much further ahead because they're stealing points from each other. It's not like he's dealing with one guy, and we've seen that. We've seen these motos where like there's like literally six guys racing for pretty much the win at the end of the moto. But the reality is, is that's a difference of almost 10, 10 points. So if you're at the back section of that train, um, like even though it was a close sixth, still a sixth. And uh, yeah, like it's and for the most part, it's Adam showing up on the good end of that stuff. 
you nailed it on the head, man. I mean, it, it, it's such a deep. I know that's why right I podcasted it's seven hundred of these. <laughs> um, yeah, the. Uh, the, the talent pool is just so deep in that class. And you said it. it. Yeah, you could you could get a sixth place, and, and to to them, yeah, it's it's devastating because it's a huge point swing. Uh, you're giving up a lot of points, but those guys are so close. I mean, you could have three through six battling all moto long and be a couple seconds apart, which you know, which is phenomenal for a 30 minute moto plus two laps. So, um, I think Adam is the only guy that's really able to push the edge get out front, best these guys, maintain it, and just have that boost of confidence every week compound on, on, on each event. So um, it, it's it's really, really tough to do that. I can't stress how tough it is for these guys to be able to, to do something of what Adam's pulling off, not even results-wise, but just to be up there consistent and to be mentally strong for this long with so many fast kids is is a feat in itself, you know, taking, taking, up, taking the, uh, the points lead out of the equation. Uh, it, it's it's, it's really something, man. And, um, I, yeah, like you said, I think he's going to be kept on his toes. I think he's going to have some more trouble from uh, Justin Cooper and uh, Ferrandez has yet to wake up. But, you know, that guy is amazing in some of the softer stuff, especially like a Southwake or a Millville. Um, you know he's going to get some pressure from the young kid, Hunter Lawrence. And um, we're going to WW Ranch, which is pretty much the home of R.J. Hampshire, man. And, yeah. Um, it, it, so, many, so many different Who's things. Who's currently to, to in eighth in points. Yeah, it's been quiet, but Hampshire didn't know how to do that, man, where he'll, he'll kind of sit in his heels for a little bit and, and kind of have ride some quiet races, but then, boom, show up and start taking wins away or hop on the podium or something. So uh, I could see that happening for sure for this, uh, for this upcoming weekend. But uh, I, think, I think we've been treated to a really, really good uh, outdoor series so far, a lot of young potential talent uh, in the 250 class, and it's only going to get better from here. Um, Especially once you know, guys like Hunter Lawrence and um, maybe some of the TLD guys, if they figure their stuff out with like the newcomer Derek Drake and maybe some of the Rockstar guys to get their stuff figured out. There's some talented kids in this class, man, and I think we're going to be treated for uh, to some really, really good racing and um, really, really tight mix-ups. And this might be the wave of the future where we have uh, you know first through tenth just all bunched up and battled for for thirty plus two minutes, swapping positions back and forth, man, but. At that point, I think you and I will be having heart attacks if you're screaming so loud. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely have to uh, uh, restrain ourselves, otherwise we won't be able to uh, hear ourselves on the podcast. Um, but yeah, 250 class has way too much talent. Uh, some head scratches in there a little bit uh, with, uh, with how uh, Alex Martin's season has gone so far. Uh, unfortunately, some TLD guys have bowed out early with, uh, I believe... Uh, Shane McElrath, uh, uh, he's dealing with a, a, a back issue, or maybe he's testing his new Yamaha uh, for 2020. You didn't hear that from me. Uh, or, um, or or maybe uh, Jordan Smith getting his wrist uh, worked on, um, uh, which was maybe that was a, a recommendation from his new team manager who happens to be in a wheelchair. Um that be either way, uh, it's it's been a great season. It's going to continue to be a great season. I'm looking forward to more. Uh, switching things over to the 450 side of things, uh, it's been basically a two rider show as far as the standings are concerned. But uh, at at, uh, at high point, another guy emerged, uh, currently sitting eighth in points. Uh, a, a pretty uh, he's he's a ways down from uh, from getting into this championship. I think it might be uh, kind of I wouldn't say done for him right now, but. 
Um, did I just pause for a second? Did everyone get that? I don't know. Anyway, my my computer froze for half a second. So if no, if nobody heard that part, that sucks. But oh well. Uh, Blake Baggett is uh, got himself a moto victory this last weekend. Kind of came out of nowhere to do it. He's damn near a hundred points down after four rounds. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, uh, like regardless of uh, of how his season's going, you gotta see, you gotta love seeing some life from Blake. Oh, definitely, man. I, I'm a big fan of Blake Baggett, and he's one of the only guys I think that. That is, I won't say only guys, but very few guys in the 450 class that is capable of winning on any given weekend. I mean, we've seen it before in outdoor series a couple of years ago, where him and Eli were just, you know, just trading just shots back and forth on one another. And um, he was, it looked like he was able to best them, like you know, race for race, um, or just hang with them and stuff. So that was really, really, really cool to see. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm just pumped to get more parity in this class, man. And yeah, it's great seeing Kenny. Yeah, it's great seeing Eli. But it's also it just makes for some great racing and keeps those two guys on their toes. When you have a, a someone who hasn't really been a podium threat come out and just win and and do it in convincing fashion like he did. So um, it, it makes it makes for great racing. makes makes it awesome for us to uh, you know watch that and and cheer somebody on um, that you really don't see a front or haven't seen a front for the for the most part. So. I would probably see that, and you and I kind of talked a little bit about who we might see next, get, snag a win, and um, it, it's, it, it creates a lot of a lot of fun talking points. But uh, hats off to Blake, rode awesome. Looks like he's juggling all with that bike on a track that really required a really well thought, set up machine that was pretty gnarly. Some of those ruts and a lot of the uh, the off cambers, and he had some uh, you know some some bigger drop offs and. The start was gnarly and uphill, and just it's a, a lot, a lot of stuff that was uh, that could really play against you. And he looked like he was uh, he was on the rails, man. So awesome, awesome to see. And I really hope we can see Blake kind of maintain this and bring us for the rest of the season and just create an even bigger battle uh, and even even more exciting racing racing action for uh, for his fans. Racing action. Well, I want to see some of that. Um, <laughs> like I Sorry, said earlier, you. it's been it, like. <laughs> It's been a two-guy uh, two battle so far, and then, of course, they're going into round five, uh, tied in points. That's pretty cool. Actually, our, both our uh, first and second and our third-place riders are, are tied in points, so technically, uh, your third and fourth riders are actually tied for second, um, but that's not really true. Um, but, uh, yeah, Eli Tomac, Ken Roxon. Like it, it's just been back and forth. Whether like Kenny's winning motos, looking like uh, 2016 Kenny at uh, at Millville, making everybody look silly. Uh, sometimes uh, Eli Tomax dropping the hammer. This last weekend, he he won uh, the national, but he did he didn't do it in Eli Tomac fashion. He goes th- uh, three two for the overall win. Um, like basically, that's uh, thanks to Ken uh, Ken Roxon not having uh, a Moto One to write home about. But uh, yeah, it's it's been an exciting season so far. Uh, the other guys have swung at them a little bit, but uh, nobody's been able to uh, the wrestle an overall away from either one of these guys. Um, but uh, not for lack of trying. Like there's been some good racing in the 450 class. Oh, most definitely. I mean, there was a few highlights from the past weekend where Kenny was getting by, uh, trying to get by Cooper after a pretty large uphill jump. And I mean, went through an inside rut, just mock oh, five. Man. That was the, that was just the, pa- going. that would might be like pass of the year. I, I, I would, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I, I'm watching at home and I'm like jumping out of my seat, just like, you know, yelling at my TV about how awesome that was, man. I mean, and, and we're, that's not just, you know, um, 
just a, a rare occurrence. I mean, they've been making passes like that um, pretty much all outdoor season. I mean, Eli had a couple just sweet passes. Ken had a couple of them. Um, I definitely think this one was probably going to be put on the pedestal. Um, but it just shows the level of commitment and just focus and just sheer want to, to do better than one another that Eli and Kenny are, are uh, just exuding, man. I mean, just every, everything they do is just seems to be spot on. Um, starts seem pretty dialed for the most part. I mean, they're, they're carrying corner speed like you wouldn't believe, which is evident in that path. Um, their bike setup looks pretty solid. I mean, it's just really, really, really cool to see the kind of, the kind of riding and just, it really elevates it. And, uh, it, it's, it, let me speak just for a little bit. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll just say that. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm super, super excited to see what happens when we get to, uh, some tracks with them, like a little bit deeper, a little softer soil where these guys can really hang it out. Obviously my heart goes to, you know, heart and mind go to Southway cause that's, you know, home track, but, um, You're such really a homer. Excited. You're such a homer. I love, Between I Southwick home, and James Stewart, like, uh, <laughs> dude, you... I imagine James Stewart at Southwick, man. You should have seen my face then. <laughs> Didn't he but, have uh, a season no, end in, in Southwick though one time? Uh, yeah, when he, I think he endoed going over the top section um, on, the, on the 450, pretty gnarly. Now, yeah. right there for it, man. Oh seven, super gnarly crash. Super super gnarly crash. I oh, know it was red, bud. It was Red Bud where James Disney and then Langston went on to win the 450 title. Um, but yeah, no. I, um, in fact, I think it was at Southwick that year where your boy lost to Langston. That was like the changing of the tides right there uh, where oh, yeah. Langston established himself. But uh, no, lots of James Stewart stories. We could go on forever. But um, <laughs> like it's, it's Eli who's trained by his old man. It's uh, Ken Roxon who's trained by his. Uh, um, he's got. I'm sure he's got a team of guys, but uh, Blake Savage is the guy who basically uh, designs a lot of his uh, uh, athletic pro- pro- uh, progress and pro- programming. Uh, and then you've got uh, Alden Baker's guys. Literally, the next four, five spots, four spots. Uh, Osborne, Anderson, Muskan, Webb are all. Uh, in the Baker's factory, they're all trading spots, and they're actually uh, they're all pretty close in points. Uh, the, there's 12 points that separate all all, all four of those guys. Uh, Anderson and Osborne are currently tied, which surprises the hell out of me because I did not see, I did not expect that from Jason Anderson, especially not outdoors, to be ahead of both Cooper Webb and Marvin Muscat in, in points at this point in the season. But uh, he's been impressive. Uh, I think, uh, to me, most impressive so far has been Zach Osborne. Obviously, he's sick. he's sitting third in points, uh, which is, is pretty damn good in and of itself. But uh, uh, I know you think that uh, we're going to see uh, the real real, real Marvin Muscan uh, stand up and take notice uh, coming coming uh, forward soon. So, uh, yeah, like uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, honestly, I, I think Marvin is such a skilled and technical rider um, that it's only a matter of time before he kind of comes out and excels at these really, really rougher tracks. So, um, you know, you and I mentioned that a little bit, a little bit ago on our live, um, a track like a Southwick or um, Red Blood when it gets really gnarly or Millville, Unadilla, exactly, which is kind of a more Euro style track in itself anyway. um, Something like that could really lend itself to Marvin, the way he can kind of hop and skip and, um, really carve out these unique lines while maintaining some amazing corner speed and just uh, a lot of momentum. 
Um, I think I think that's gonna that's gonna shine through and really set him apart. I think he he usually takes a little bit of time to get going. We saw that in Supercross this year. Saw a little bit outdoors last year. I think he's gonna take some time for him to kind of get uh get his legs underneath him, just running with with these faster guys that, that we're seeing. So, um, I would give it maybe another race or two before this guy starts to really put it down, get that good start. And then just walk away, kind of similar to like what a Baggett did. You know, he got out to a really good start, had a clear track, rode his race, hit his marks, uh, and didn't let the pressure behind him get to him. I think Marvin is more than capable of doing that, and it's only a matter of time before we see Marvin uh, taking a win away from these guys and possibly getting consistent podiums. I think you're totally right. I think uh, Marvin definitely uh, has showed speed. I think he's uh, um, he just needs to uncork one of these things, man. Um, between him and Osborne, uh, I think that's that's your next guy that's probably going to get a moto win. We currently have a, a twenty dollar bet on uh, who who that's going to be. I say Osborne. You say Moose can Points say that I'm uh, a little bit closer to getting that thing right. But uh, Marvin has a, a couple of those overalls under his under his uh, his quiver already. Uh, so um, yeah, it's just. Uh, Time will tell. I think, uh, um, yeah, they're both in great positions, and I, I uh, the like that third, fourth, fifth spot is going to be battled over big time in the 450 class. Nobody wants to be the slowest guy at the back Baker's factory. You know that's for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, the, and the rest of the guys will have to figure things out. I think uh, WW Ranch. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think Aaron Plessinger comes back this weekend. That's kind of exciting. Uh, if he doesn't come back this weekend, maybe he comes back at uh, in your neck of the woods in Southwick. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's cracking off, man. And uh, 450 class, um, it, it's it's super deep. Um, just Justin Barsha has had. Uh, he's just he's a he's nicked up right now. He's he's not in a position where he he would like to be as far as uh, his his just. The, where the body's at, which is unfortunate, but uh, I think he's still been pretty impressive. Mason, he, he's been able to do. Uh, I, I was bummed to see uh, Justin Hill go out uh, with an injury. I think we were still sort of waiting on him to emerge uh, in 2019. Uh, but yeah, and uh, and same thing with uh, a couple other guys that sort of bounce off the page at me. Um, before we uh, wrap up this podcast, give me a letter grade uh, for Dean Ferris. Uh, coming over... I think he had a lot of, not a lot of hype, but maybe some expectation after uh, getting second in a moto last year, um, and uh, currently sitting ninth in points. Uh, I think he's fighting the Yamaha a little bit as far as setup goes, but yeah, like, uh, what, what are your thoughts on Dean Ferris coming over here? Uh, and um, some impressive showing, some sort of like, honestly, you don't really see him that much because the, the racing at the front of the pack has been so good. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm a Dean Ferris fan. I really, uh, I really like what he's what he's done over the years, and um, especially coming here and kind of carving out a name for himself too. Um, running with these guys, you know, being from overseas, it's it's, it's pretty incredible. So um, honestly, I have to I have to give him a, more like a B. You know, I uh, I did not expect him to come out swinging like he did. I think he got a tenth, if I'm not mistaken, the top ten um, at, at round one, and yeah. was just outside of that, I think at round two. So. Um, I did not expect that. I thought for sure, you know, he'd just kind of be like a, just a spot filler, 15th, 17th maybe, um, just to have another blue bike out there. But kind of shocked me. Um, you know, he, he really had a, a decent showing and 
um, seems to be right around where kind of where Barsha's kind of hanging out right now. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. You know, I, I, I think if he would have came out and did a consistent top ten every moto, snuck in a seventh maybe here or there, I have to bump him up to an A. But I think he's, he's showing some uh, some good results, some strong riding, which uh, can only get better as he gets more used to the racing and the season goes on. So um, I think he should be fairly stoked with it. No, I think he should be too, and uh, and more exciting things to come uh, for the rest of the season. Um, that being said, um, if you haven't already gone to the collectivexp.com to uh, to sign up for w- whether it be a uh, a VIP experience or you apply to be an intern, you guys need to go do that. Uh, Dave, I know you got some exciting things going on with collective for the rest of the summer. Yeah, we do. Um, we're really excited to bring our um, MX fan experience back to outdoors for 2019, where fans can really get immersed behind the scenes with some of their favorite privateer riders, um, get a chance to be a team member, help with race strategy, um, be able to get up close to the bikes and to the crew members and the uh, industry personnel and make some really cool connections and be, uh, be pampered like a true VIP all day long. Um, we're really excited to do that with, you know, Stank Dog, Jared Steinke, Brent Rouse, and the Bumper Burger Race Team. And uh, because they are Bubbler sponsored, you are going to be able to get uh, some free food if you stop by. So nice. be sure to check those guys out. Um, we're also really pumped to bring our super successful MX uh, internship program um, to the outdoors. Normally, we have it on for Supercross. We really wanted to make sure fans um, got that same level of experience and exposure into the working side of the industry. Um, and that's been going really, really well. We're excited to get so many people um, hooked up with uh, hands-on experiences, being able to work with a pro rider, pro team, hold a pit board, kick them down the line, and really give them an experience they need to take themselves further in the industry. Um, I, I'm really, this is listening to the program near and dear to my heart because so many people have used it to set themselves up for some pretty cool careers, whether it be wrenching for a pro rider, uh, working for an industry team, working for Feld Entertainment, who owns Supercross. I mean, um, they've gone to do some really incredible things, and it's something that we're really proud of. And uh, you and I are also bringing the program up to Canada yes, sir. Uh, with, with a buddy of mine, Chase Simone, where uh, where uh, fans can sign up to be an intern for Chase Simone at select rounds of the uh, Triple Crown Series for the outdoors. So um, we're sponsored by Big MX Radio, um, FXR Gear, and Full Vision Goggles, and we're really excited uh, to bring that to the Canadian fans. I'm a huge nerd for Canadian racing, and I'm just really pumped to get as many Canadian Nats fans entered into the sport, immersed into what we've got going on, and really getting the experience they need to take themselves further. So if anyone that has any questions, be sure to check us out at the Collective um, EX on Instagram, thecollectivexp.com online, contact at thecollectivexp.com for email. Let us know your thoughts, concerns, questions you want to get as many people signed up and into this sport as possible so i'm um, really excited to do it and we can't wait fair enough my friend well i really appreciate you making some time for us anyone hearing some uh extracurricular uh sounds coming in the background right now my lovely girlfriend megan has uh arrived at my apartment uh to uh, to actually record the second half of this podcast and uh looks like uh she's uh, done her classes and whatnot so how's it going babe Good. Good. Good to see you. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, can't see Dave. He's uh, we're not doing Skype uh, video. But uh, um, Dave, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, we're gonna have we're gonna do another one of these down the road. But I appreciate you being part of show uh, show seven hundred. 
And uh, this has been an awesome time to, to chat with you. And uh, we're going to continue making this thing uh, bigger and better every single year. And, uh, yeah, thanks uh, thanks for making the time once again, my friend. Oh, anytime, man. And congratulations on Show 700. Just really happy to be a part of it. So we can honor and uh, definitely want to keep supporting this thing and helping you grow it as big as you want. Absolutely, my friend. You have yourself a great rest of your evening. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. <laughs>